I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 72 of the podcast. Happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and hammer that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action that's coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, parents, I have a very special podcast for you today. It is the most meaningful podcast I've done to date. Since I began this little endeavor of spreading my passion for fatherhood and family values about five months ago, I have had the pleasure of speaking with so many amazing fathers, including 10 Navy SEALs now. And some of you out there on Twitter have asked me a few times if I have some kind of fascination with the SEAL teams. And the answer to that is yes. There are not many places where we can look today in our society and find men who our kids can truly look up to, admire, and try to emulate. The mindset of these incredible warriors is really what inspires me the most about them, what they are capable of overcoming, their accountability, their never-quit attitude combined with strength, loyalty, and just how humble they are. It simply amazes me that there are people like them out there in the world, and thank God they are on our side. And of course, yesterday kicked off the NFL season. As you know, I had Hall of Fame quarterback Kurt Warner on the podcast yesterday. And also yesterday, Nike put out their new ad with a picture of Colin Kaepernick and a slogan which reads, Believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything. And it has left many people, including myself, to wonder just what in the world it is that this young man has sacrificed, let alone everything. Uh, but I can tell you one thing, there is no question that my guests today on the podcast truly understand what sacrifice is all about. I do believe our children deserve much greater heroes to look up to than this guy who's been walking around wearing pig socks and a Castro t-shirt, taking a knee during our national anthem. I do not believe that this man brought attention to an issue that needs to be addressed. I think he has created a new issue that now needs to be extinguished. And in my opinion, I do not believe Colin Kaepernick is worth a shoelace compared to the men and women who have truly sacrificed everything so that people like him can be handed a million dollars for running around with a ball. And with that being said, I am very honored to have with me today on the podcast Gold Star parents Karen and Billy Vaughn, whose Navy SEAL Team 6 son Aaron Vaughn, who was also a first-class father, died tragically in action on August 6, 2011, when his helicopter was shot down in what is known as Extortion 17, which was the greatest single incident loss of American lives in Operation Enduring Freedom. I am grateful for the opportunity to share a few minutes with them. So let me get to a quick spot here and I will be right back with first class parents, Karen and Billy Vaughn, whose son believed in something and it meant sacrificing everything. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. I cannot say thank you enough to all the listeners out there. You will hear a word from my sponsors in the middle of today's interview. If you would like to help me make First Class Fatherhood ad-free, please consider becoming a supporter of the podcast by hitting the link in the description of today's podcast episode. Welcome back to First Class Fatherhood. Joining me now are the Gold Star Parents first-class parents of fallen Navy SEAL Team 6 operator Aaron Vaughn. They are also best-selling authors, and it is really a great honor and privilege that I get to say, Karen and Billy Vaughn, welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Hi, it's really nice to be with you. Thank you. Thanks for having us today. All right, let me start it here. How many kids do you have, and how old are they? 
We have uh, we have three kids: uh, Aaron, our uh, oldest son, uh, and then Tara, who is 35, and Anna, our youngest daughter, who is 25. So we have we have son and two daughters. And six grandkids, by the way. Wow. Okay, six grandkids. I've got four kids myself, so I'll be hoping for a bushel of grandkids somewhere in the distant future for me. All right, what kind of sports and uh, activities were the kids involved in growing up? Well, Aaron was a really great football player, um, and Tara played basketball. Now, our, she was really good at basketball. Our youngest, Anna, was not a sports enthusiast at all. And she was she was the kid who we kept trying to put her in different sports, and she would literally stand on the field through the course with her arms crossed, you know. So we finally gave up and let her be her, you know. But, uh, but Aaron and Tara both played a lot of sports growing up, softball, baseball, you know, basketball and football. Were you guys involved in coaching at all, or actually, Karen was involved in coaching. I, I uh, yeah, Karen uh, actually coached Tara a little bit in basketball, but uh, mine was uh, mostly from the sideline. Okay, I've had the honor of speaking with so many Navy SEALs now because of this podcast, and some of them have come from very troubled beginnings. Everything that I have read about Aaron points to him growing up in a very loving environment. So I'm curious as to what age or what signs that he show that he would have what it takes to become a part of the most fiercest fighting force on the planet. Well, I'll tell you, uh, what we what we have found out from meeting a lot of Navy SEALs is, uh, you know, these guys are not always the biggest, baddest, meanest guys out there. Usually, before they're those guys, they are men, they are boys who love this country, who love adventure, who love to hunt, who love sport. They're they're just, what we've found is they're all American boys. And that's who Aaron was growing up. Aaron uh, became a believer in Christ uh, at a very young age. Uh, he saw good and evil, black and white. There's no, not many gray areas for Aaron. He loved this country. He loved the history of our country. He loved freedom, and and uh, you know he was just uh, he was all boy. He was all boy, and uh, so that's that's where he ended up. It became a dream of his at a, at a young age to be a Navy SEAL. He he uh, one day he and I we lived in Tennessee, and he and I were working on the farm out on a Saturday afternoon, working on a fence, and had the truck radio on, and uh, something I don't remember what it was, but something came on about Army Rangers were involved in an operation somewhere, and. It named him, and Aaron said, you know, I think I want to be an Army Ranger when I grow up. He's about seven or eight years old. And uh, I said, well, you know, son, there's one group that's uh, actually uh, probably a little above the Army Rangers. And I told him about Navy SEALs, and uh, and so uh, later on in life, he said that's the day. That's the day that he decided that's what he wanted to be, and, and he stuck to that. Wow, okay. Uh, well, becoming a Navy SEAL is one of the most honorable jobs that exist Becoming a member of SEAL Team 6 is even more astonishing than that, uh, but it is also one of the most dangerous jobs in the military. So how did you guys feel as parents when Aaron made the jump from SEAL Team 1 to DevGrew? Yeah, for me, it was, uh, I felt like he was, you know, it's, it's crazy to say this now, but I felt like he was going to be safer than ever. Uh, you know, I knew that he would be going on. Uh, you know, more specific missions, but I also knew that 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 team operated a little differently, and and I really won't say much about that just for their operational security. But I but I felt like they had a little more control over what they did and didn't do, and 
I felt like, uh, you know, that now he was going to be working alongside as if those men he worked alongside weren't already elite enough. He was going to be working alongside the most elite war fighters the world had ever known. And so I felt like he would be safer than ever on a personal basis. Um, I never dreamed that that would be the team he would die with. It, it never crossed my mind, in all honesty. Billy, anything to add on that? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, I I felt he was, when he was with the Navy SEAL, when he was with SEAL Team 1, I mean, you know, Navy SEALs are the best. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it is the most dangerous work, but there again, they get the best equipment, they got the best training, they, they got the best weapons. And I believe that, uh, you know, uh, political correctness had not crept in uh, to that part of our military. I, I was just naive. Uh, and uh, I, I believe that, uh, like Karen, uh, you know, they got, they got, you know, they got to do their ops. They, they, there was no politics involved. Uh, but uh, we learned that uh, all of that changed. And uh, uh, the military leadership in, in, uh, in naval special warfare, much of it, especially in DevGrew, is uh, just as political as people like John Brennan and what you see on TV today. And it's sad to find out, but uh, some of them are a sick lot. Yeah, that's kind of hard to hear. I mean, it has started so young in our society today with that everybody gets a trophy mentality. I know I'm 37 now, and when I was a kid, that wasn't the case with that philosophy of every kid gets a trophy and that whole uh, mindset that the feelings are more important than performance. And it's uh, sad to hear that it has crept up, you know, to that elite level in the military. Well, you, you know what? You're, you're right. Uh, it's, it's even changed a lot since Aaron joined. Uh, since from the time Aaron joined uh, and by the time Aaron got killed, uh, a lot of the things that we heard that were changing different, even that they were making it, make it easier, making it even making the uh, getting into the Navy SEALs more diversified, making sure we have not just the guys who want to come and, and join, who, the guys who really want to do what it takes, but, but actually going out and recruiting uh, and, and you know, and, and I'm not against anybody wanting to be a Navy SEAL, but going out and recruiting and enticing people, offering them things to come in. I'll tell you what, when Aaron joined, they didn't offer you anything. Uh, you know, they did everything they could to kick you out. But you know, uh, uh, you you had to prove that you really wanted it. But as you said, that's more of that uh, leveling the playing field, and everybody gets a trophy creeping into everything in our society. You know, very unfortunate. Okay, I'd like to ask about Aaron as a father. How was he as a dad, and how did becoming a father change his approach to being a SEAL operator? Well, you know, Aaron's children were only uh, two and two years old and nine weeks old when he died. So, you know, in most of that time, he was, you know, deployed, actually, through a lot of their life. So he didn't have time to settle in a lot to fatherhood. Uh, of course, he, he was crazy about his children. Watching him become a father was one of the greatest joys of our life, you know, watching him get to celebrate. And, and that's one thing that I've always been so thankful to God about is that he got to know that kind of love, to see his children be born and to, uh, to enjoy, uh, you know, bringing children into the world. And, and uh, I remember thinking when, you know, when his little boy was born, I remember thinking this is going to change everything. And, and, and then especially when the, when Chamberlain, his daughter, came along, uh, you know, he was about to go on deployment when she was born. And so I knew that deployment was going to happen. There was no question about that. But I remember thinking to myself, 
I bet this is going to change things because men are just extra protective of daughters. It, it changes you when you start raising a little girl. Um, at least that had been my experience watching my husband with his daughters and, and watching my father, you know. And and uh, I remember, you know, wondering if it would cause him to want to, you know, leave that career a little earlier. But, of course, he never got a chance to settle into that and make those decisions because he died. So uh, he he did love being a dad, though. And like I said, I'm thankful to God that he got to experience that. Yeah, I love to hear you say that, Karen, because I have four kids. I had my three boys first, and then I got the girl at the end, and it is a whole new bowl of soup for sure. So, and one of the reasons I'm even doing this podcast is because of the, the view out there about fatherhood, especially that I hear from so many of the young men out there. It's such a negative view of fatherhood that they have, and even the way it's portrayed on TV and in the movies, it's talked about as being like the end of the world instead of uh, you know, the beginning of the awesome, life-changing experience that it is. Yeah, that's pretty tragic, honestly. Uh, no, he was very excited about having his own children. Actually, couldn't wait, couldn't wait for that. And and man, once they came along, he was uh, he was just ecstatic, you know that that uh that he had a family. And yeah, no, I that's really tragic that that the world does has begun seeing fatherhood like that. That's heartbreaking. Okay, Aaron's death and especially the circumstances in which he died has had an impact on you guys I can't even begin to comprehend. But I'd like to ask you, how did his death impact or change the way you parent your other children? Hmm. That's a good question. Uh, as for me, I, 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 don't, I don't really think it did. Um, well, one, one uh, thing is that our children were, you know, our, our youngest child was 18 when Aaron died, and our other daughter, you know, was already grown with a family of her own. Um, so, you know, we really weren't still raising children per se. Um, so, you know, we didn't have to, we didn't have that task. And I'm thankful. I, I feel it really pains me for people who still have the task of raising children after they've lost a child because I can't imagine functioning in a home and, and trying to maintain that after such a, such a horrendous loss. That, that would be such a difficult thing to do because it's just so hard functioning at all, much less maintaining uh, the level of, of, I don't know, just, you know, just organization and, and happiness and functionality that it takes to be a productive family and to, to make sure your children are stable and well taken care of. So I, I just applaud people who, who make it through that when they've still got young children at home. But ours were grown. What it, what it has done is it's made us, uh, for me, and I can say Billy and I have had this conversation before, we have understood the sacredness of life in a way that few, I think, can ever understand it. You, you value it differently. You experience it differently. You, you look at things in a different light. You make sure that you treasure things in a way that you might have taken, things you might have taken for granted before you do not take for granted any longer. You, you make sure that uh, that you take time to stop and appreciate the value of what's in front of you. You definitely do that. Well said. All right, both of you are best-selling authors. I'd like to give you both an opportunity here to, to tell us a little bit about your books. Karen, I'll begin with you. What can you tell me and my listeners about your book, World Changer, A Mother's Story? Yeah, so um, after Aaron died, you know, like I said, he left behind the two small children who would never have stories of their own about their father and 
And I knew that the day would come where Reagan was, you know, sitting at a football game or something like that, wishing that his dad was there, or a day would come where Chamberlain was going to walk down an aisle and would give anything if her father was going to be there to walk her down that aisle. And they would want to know things about their father that no one, frankly, could tell them except me and and uh, Billy. And so I just wanted to start collecting stories about him. So I started writing him down frantically, everything I could remember about his childhood, his teenage years, and and his personality, just the things he thought was funny, the things that he did that, that were funny, um, you know, just everything I could recall. And and it just eventually, through a, through a long series of events, turned into a book. And I decided to turn that book into a challenge to America to raise kids who are formidable, who are strong, who aren't weak. We're, you know, we're looking at a culture now of, like we talked about before, the everyone gets a trophy culture, and and you know I just I just wanted to use this book to challenge parents to step up and raise families full of kids who just can take it when things go wrong. Aaron overcame so much to achieve his dreams, and his dreams also set the course of his life. They kept him on track, and I just wanted to encourage parents with this book to help their kids set goals and set plans and put things in motion so that kids have things that they actually wanted to reach for in life instead of just wandering through life aimlessly. So that was the goal of World Changer, and, and it's done very well and, and has been really well received, and I'm very proud of the product that, that eventually came out. Awesome. I think every parent should be given a copy of your book instead of what to expect when expecting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, it is now time for a word from today's sponsors, and I'll be right back with more of the action on First Class Fatherhood. Operation 300. Operation 300 is a registered 501c3 not-for-profit organization which hosts adventure camps for children who have lost their fathers as a result of military service. Pairing each child with a father-aged male mentor who spends the weekend doing things with the children they might have done with their dad. Their mission is to provide mentorship to the children of the fallen, honor the sacrifice of those who have given their all for our freedom, and promote patriotism and service in our communities. Please visit them today by going to Operation300.com. All right, Billy, please tell us a little bit about Betrayed, the shocking true story of Extortion 17 as told by a Navy SEAL's father. Uh, yeah, so uh, I, I never thought I'd be an author obviously, but the things that we began to find out after Aaron was killed and after those other men were killed uh, uh, that night and uh, that didn't add up, that didn't, that did, things that did add up that were just wrong and crazy about the way we were operating in Afghanistan, what we were expecting our Navy SEALs to do, what we were expecting our military to do and not be able, not allowing them to do. Uh, and then, uh, you know, in, in the weeks and the months, we began to realize that there was a cover-up and people were lying. And, and uh, uh, you know, for a long time, uh, Karen and I spoke about it and talked about what was going on and everything. And, and uh, we decided to write the book to really get the word out. And, uh, and, and, it, and it did help. And it has helped. Uh, it has helped, uh, I believe, to help change the rules of engagement, especially since uh, we've got a, a president in the White House that, that loves his country and uh, respects our military. And so, um, uh, you know, it's it just it, – it, it was – the book was to serve two purposes. It was to let people know what happened that night to uh, Navy SEAL Team 6 and uh, all the men who were with them that night. 
It's also to, if possible, to help prevent it uh, from happening again to, to other warriors, you know, uh, and to cause our military not to, our military leadership not to be negligent with the lives of the warriors that have been entrusted to them. All right, let's hit on this now. The new Nike ad, as you know, came out recently with a picture of Colin Kaepernick on it and the slogan reading, believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything. Uh, what is your opinion on that? And what is your take on the NFL players who are taking a knee during our national anthem? Well, you know, the thing of it is, is, is like this, uh, you know, these, these guys, um, let's, let's look at the two groups of guys. Uh, the, these guys, it get get to go. They get to live in a free country. They get to go to school, and because of their talent, not any other country in the world could they earn the kind of money they earn. They earn enough money where, uh, when they're off season, they can go vacation in South Beach or anywhere in the world they want to. They can drive any car they want to. They can live in any house they want to. And then it's an amazing thing that they're ashamed of the country that's been able to give them all this. And then the guys who defend us, on the other hand, can't do any of those things. And their desire is to defend this country and preserve a way of life. And uh, I can just tell you that I, I'm, I'm an older man now. I'm 61. But I'm really thankful to God that my boy, my boy, was a man who loved this country and served this country and ultimately you know, ended up where he did instead of my boy being one of those boys who is ashamed of the United States of America and ashamed of the flag. The flag, you know, you know, our flag represents everything, whether, what, no matter what kind of flag it is. Flag for your organization, your Cub Scout troop, your HOA, or for the fall, or whatever. That's the flag of the United States of America. And it represents uh, better things for mankind than any than has ever been represented by any country in this world, and for those men to to be so ignorant of what has been given for that flag and what that flag has given to so many hundreds of millions. And yes, we're not perfect; we never will be. But we are still the greatest light to the world. And shame, shame on them. Wow. Yeah, I agree with you, Billy, on that 100. Uh, Karen, anything to add on to that? You know, I'm sitting here looking at a picture right now talking about the Colin Kaepernick situation. My disappointment is with Nike using the word sacrifice everything because I'm looking at a picture right now of my son's grave with a caption over it that says, this is what it looks like to believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything. And that's what we have to remind people of. There, there are things worth sacrificing everything for. America is one of those. And there are people who sacrifice everything for something. And that's what men and women who fight for this country do. They sacrifice everything for it. Wow, yeah, powerful stuff, guys. And I, I, well said. I can't imagine anybody um, that could disagree with you there. I mean, this nation really owes everything to our men and women in the military. And, and we owe you a great deal of gratitude for what your family has sacrificed. Uh, so I can only speak for myself. Uh, and I'd like to say thank you, you know. Thank you. Um. Okay, let me move along here. Uh, there is obviously so much more interest with the Navy SEALs now with all the books and the movies that have been put out there. Many more kids and young men are being inspired to put themselves to the test to see if they have what it takes to become a frogman. What advice do you have for parents out there whose kids come home and say that they want to become a Navy SEAL? 
I say let them try. If a kid's got it in their heart to protect and defend this nation, who are we if that generation doesn't continue to rise up and answer that call? And, you know, every, every generation, ours is the only national anthem that ends with a question mark, and it's been up to every generation to answer that question. And, and that, those, that question rises up in the hearts of young men and women generation after generation, and someone's got to answer it. And if, you're not, if not your kid, who's? And so, you know, America, America has a value unlike anything we can put a dollar sign on. And, and you know, I, I've never talked to a warfighter who has served this country who has said it wasn't worth it. And I can guarantee you that if Aaron were here today and had a chance to stand up to life again and fight for this nation again, I can guarantee you he'd do it again because he believed America was worth it. And so you have to let these young these young men and women who believe in this nation enough to fight for it, you have to let them fight for it. All right, do you guys have any other projects or endeavors that you're working on right now? Yes, we have a nonprofit that our family started uh, not long after Aaron died, called Operation 300. And what we do is we host adventure camps for children whose fathers have died during this war. And we pair them up with father-age male mentors and bring them in for a weekend of adventure and just let them do all the things they might have done with their dad or he's still here. And it's just been the most wonderful blessing. Uh, it's, and we bring their mothers in as well and put them up in a super nice hotel down in West Palm Beach and let them spend a weekend relaxing with other widows and uh, have time together to just, uh, you know, spend time with someone else who's living out the same kind of nightmare, frankly, that they've had to live. And uh, Operation 300 has just been an extraordinary, an extraordinary adventure for our family and an extraordinary blessing for uh, untold, untold hundreds of of, uh, families across this nation. Beautiful. I'm going to run an ad for Operation 300 during this podcast, and I will be sure to put a link in the description of this podcast when I post it so it will be easy for everybody to find. All right, and I always ask all the fathers that I get on the podcast, so now I get to ask both of you, what type of advice do you have for the new father or for the about-to-be father that's out there listening? I would say um, I would say teach them, teach them who we are as Americans. Teach them who, we're, who we've been, where we came from, why we believe what we believe, what our foundations, the foundations of our country are built on, Judeo-Christian principles and freedom, and no other country has ever been built on that. And uh, teach them to love this country. And don't, don't let them grow up being ignorant uh, about uh, who we are and what we stand for. And, yes, even tell them the bad things. Tell them the bad things that have happened in, in our country. Because, you know, we, we are a nation that when we've done wrong, we've tried to correct those. Uh, we've tried to correct those wrongs, and we're still doing that today. And maybe they won't be, maybe they won't grow up uh, full of hatred and, and full of ignorance with a lot, like uh, rich people, you know, who play football on Sundays who make millions and millions of dollars but don't have a clue about what this country is really all about. Agreed. Karen, what do you have for the new parents out there? Well, that was great advice that that Billy gave. Um, It's hard to top that, but I guess if I was just adding to that, I'd say let your children experience risk and adventure. I think that's what we're missing so much in this culture is we've moved so far away from a warrior culture, and I just say let your kids get out there and experience risk and adventure. Don't be terrified to let your children 
sprout their own wings and, and grow their own sense of, 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 what am I trying to say? Just, just become their own people and, and realize what they're capable of. Some of the greatest lessons that Aaron ever learned that made him the person he was, he learned out on our farm with Billy stretching his limits and allowing him to do things that I thought he wasn't big enough to do, but he was big enough to do them. I and he learned that he could do things. He was, you know, he, he learned that he could accomplish things. And we have to allow our children to learn what they're capable of. And so often we just do everything for them and we protect them from everything. And and then they just, they're just incapable of overcoming anything on their own because of that. And we just create these cocoons around them and, and we insulate them and it's not doing them any favors. Yeah, I think the technology that we have is really great, but I think at the same time it does more harm than good. Uh, it seems to have taken away the social life of our youth today. Well, you know, you see these stories all the time now where people who just let their children walk their dogs are being having the police called on them because, I mean, this is just getting ludicrous. The, the children aren't even allowed to play anymore. I, we've got to move out of this or we're just going to we're going to absolutely cripple the next generation we're building the wickedest society the world has yeah i agree and listen as a young parent of four kids it is difficult to navigate through this whole social media insta chat selfie reality path that's put in front of us here but i can tell you it's been very encouraging to speak with so many dads who like me they're sick and tired of this everybody gets a trophy mentality you know so hopefully you know, this podcast can make an impact somehow and get the message out there that fatherhood is awesome and family values are really where it's at. That's fantastic, man. You stay in that fight because there is nothing, there's nothing more important than the family unit. And there's nothing that will take a society down faster than destroying the family unit. Certainly. And it does seem like the family unit is under attack. Absolutely. Uh all right, Karen and Billy Vaughn, I cannot say thank you enough. This has truly been an honor and a privilege for me. So I got to say thank you for giving me a few minutes of your time here on First Class Fatherhood. Thank you. Thank you. Good to talk to you. All right, we'll be right back after a quick spot. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. I have got to say one more time a special thank you to Karen and Billy Vaughn for giving me a few minutes of their time. That was a real honor and a pleasure for me to speak with them today. Uh, please hit me up on Twitter and on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. And be sure to come back here on episode 73. I will be joined by former Navy SEAL Ray Cash Care. Also, Tuesday, September 11th, I will be joined by former Army Ranger Sean Parnell, who has a new book dropping September 11th called Man of War. So come on, dads, get on over there, hit that subscribe button, and follow me along on Instagram and Twitter right here on the podcast that is celebrating fatherhood and family values. I will be back here. Enjoy your weekend. That's all I got for you today. I am Alec Lace. You've been listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We're fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first-class fathers.